Have you ever allowed your imagination to run wild about the world of work? To wonder what would happen if we tore up all the rules and started again? Welcome to What If, a podcast from the CIPD's work magazine that dares to ask the previously unthinkable. I'm Jenny Roper, and in this latest episode in this series, I'll be immersing myself in the metaverse. But what exactly is the metaverse, you might well ask? Indeed, it's a concept that perhaps only made it onto people's radars with the rebranding of the parent company behind Facebook at the end of last year. The new name Meta is designed to signal the seriousness of Mark Zuckerberg's intent to pivot from social media to building a truly immersive virtual world and, as he has described it, an infinite office. But he's by no means the only one on this quest. Also keen to provide a much more engaging virtual working environment via the metaverse is Microsoft, Cisco, Apple and a whole crop of metaverse-first Web3 companies that have recently sprung up. More tech-savvy listeners may have already experienced the metaverse in their personal lives. You might have attended a virtual concert by Dolly Parton, who performed on a virtual stage at the South by Southwest Festival this year. Or you might have purchased some virtual art there, or branded goods from the likes of Burberry or Louis Vuitton, who are just two of the many brands who already have a presence in the metaverse. Or perhaps you will have experienced Fora on a Second Life, the early noughties alternate universe where users interact via human, animal or fantasy creature avatars. Avid gamers will almost certainly have experienced a version via massively popular online game Fortnite. More cynical individuals might dismiss the current buzz as pure hype, however, the sort of noise that has been made about many shiny new things before, only to promptly fade once reality fails to live up to the dream. But what if the metaverse wasn't overhyped? What if it was the future of the internet? And what if it really was on the cusp of revolutionising the world of work? To help us get to grips with such a future, and with our quest to truly understand what the metaverse actually is, I spoke to Phil Reed, psychology professor at Swansea University. Phil is an expert on the effects of the internet on our brains. I also spoke to Alison Horn. She is executive director of Global Talent at Accenture, a company which already makes extensive use of the metaverse to enhance its employee experience and with a fully fledged metaverse consultancy practice. Here's Alison, starting us off by shedding further light for the uninitiated on what entering the metaverse actually feels like, and pointing out that at the moment this means very different things to different people. I describe the experience of the metaverse as actually being inside of an experience. So video, the internet, that gives us the opportunity to be able to watch and to observe experiences. The metaverse is a new game where you actually get to be inside the experience, whatever the experience it is. It could be a movie. It could be training. It could be an actual simulation, but you actually get to be inside it. But the metaverse has been here for decades. I mean, we at Accenture alone, we've had a practice in this space for well over 10 to 12 years, looking at how this technology is evolving. And, you know, the metaverse actually does have very different shapes and sizes. You'll hear about, you know, augmented reality. You'll hear about virtual reality. Uh, You'll hear about many different kind of spaces in between those two lenses. Just like the internet, which needs a PC, which needs software, which needs hardware, the same is true for the metaverse. 
So there's hardware players, there's software players, there's security players, there's design players, there's experienced players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, all the way into event management even. I mean, you can go to a concert in the metaverse if you know that's what you choose to do on a Friday night today. So, so it really, really is expansive and it's just going to keep expanding at this point. So how does Accenture use the metaverse internally for its employees at the moment? If you're one of our newest joiners, you'll be in the metaverse on day one. Our metaverse, which we call Accenture's nth floor, you'll be there to meet the people that you're starting with. You'll create your avatar. You'll play some learning games. You'll go and explore an entire virtual world that we've created called One Accenture Park, which lives inside of our nth floor metaverse. And One Accenture Park gives you the opportunity to learn more about who we are, what we do, how we do it. There are opportunities for you to travel around with your start group on scavenger hunt kinds of experiences, learning more about how all these different puzzle pieces fit together. And then there's also opportunities for you to just go explore on your own, learn more about our core values, learn more about our leadership essentials, learn more about our code of business ethics. You know, there's a whole slew of exhibits within one Accenture Park that you get to actually explore, which is a very different experience, right, than just reading a handbook or flipping through pages on a, you know, company portal and and so forth. From a learning standpoint, we have learning programs, some of which are available all the time for you to go in and just test out your skills and build your own skills in spaces like negotiations and spaces like how do you give difficult feedback, right? Some of those things that really don't come to life until you've had a chance to practice them. And this gives you a totally safe environment to do so while it's also very immersive and very real. And then finally, you know, collaboration. We're seeing everything from large town hall-like meetings to small team meetings taking place in our nth floor environment. Um, Everything from, hey, let's get together because we really need to do a collaborative ideation session to let's get the whole team together because it's a lot more interesting to be in here as we're unveiling a new product or introducing a new leader or, you know, whatever the agenda might be. We're a global company. We have over 700,000 people across Accenture. And when you join Accenture, you're not just joining your local office, you're joining this huge global network. So the remote capabilities that we have, like Teams, but also like the metaverse, that allows you to really feel and sense that you're part of something much bigger. As such, the metaverse is something Accenture would have embraced anyway, Alison tells me, as well as being an important strand of hybrid working post-pandemic. But you can imagine how much more readily companies might be up for adopting it, given our brave new world of virtual working. The metaverse has the potential, proponents claim, to ensure remote working never becomes the poor relation where teamwork and collaboration needs to happen which could have massive benefits when it comes to including those employees who, for various reasons, prefer working and need to work from home. Here's Professor Phil Reed. One thing that we've witnessed over the last two years is just how much the neurodiverse population has prospered in terms of their ability to engage. What's bad for many people is often very good for a neurodiverse population. And people say with autism spectrum conditions or with social phobias or with other psychological needs that they need to manage that makes real face-to-face interactions difficult. 
they've used digital technology immensely well to engage very, very productively in the workplace. And if I had one message for firms, is if you want to expand your neurodiverse workforce, then looking carefully at how digital interactions can be managed for that group is an extremely positive step. But there are other groups as well who have other needs, part-time workers, women, especially who may be looking after families, would benefit greatly and would not be excluded from the workplace if their digital role could be opened up. But Phil doubts the answer to opening up employees' digital experiences will necessarily come in the form of the metaverse. On the topic of neurodiversity, virtual reality and metaverse-type environments have been used successfully to treat certain anxiety disorders and phobias. But Phil is unconvinced that for the vast majority of employees, donning a digital avatar will actually make interactions feel more personal and effective. Rather, this takes us away from a sense of interacting with a real-life human being, at best an unsatisfying way to communicate, at worst psychologically damaging, he says. I would classify myself as a a metaverse sceptic at best. I don't really think that it's going to have the functionality that we're, we're used to, or if it does, it's going to be more of an effort on our part. So why would we bother? And it may have some very interesting uses, Virtual reality does psychologically. Virtual reality under controlled conditions has proved very useful for treating particular disorders. But for a day-to-day use, why would you do it? Video conferencing has expanded the way we can communicate. And when we're in meetings, we can see what our colleagues are doing. We can read the cues. We can see if they're smiling, they're nodding, they're shaking their heads. The more like real-world interactions we can make our digital interactions, the better. The metaverse isn't necessarily going to be like that, because interacting through an avatar, if that's what they want us to do, is not a real interaction. Real interactions are face-to-face, where you can hear, see somebody, understand their, their emotions, And that requires lots and lots of senses. And the more we take away, the worse it is. When we interact digitally, we have to remember that we should be the ones driving the interaction, but often it's a version of ourselves. We adopt a persona. Now, some of those personas are very necessary. We all have a work mask. That's a professional mask. It allows interaction to proceed professionally at work. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But the more that mask differs from our real self, the more at risk we are psychologically. Digital communication, which is not real-time face-to-face, allows a presentation of a self which is more different and less easily verified by others than real-time interaction. Taking that one step further into a fully immersive metaverse, we have yet another remove from the person's real self to the persona in which they're interacting. That gap between persona and the person, if you like, is in proportion to the mental health of that individual. So at best, I'm skeptical, at worst, troubled by the possibilities for psychological damage that we already see through overuse of digital technology. So is Accenture mindful of these potential risks and how is it taking steps to ward against them? 
bad behaviour fueled by the remove between someone's real self and their perhaps faceless social media or email persona is after all by no means a new phenomenon. And there have already been numerous reports of harassment, child exploitation and inappropriate content within supposedly safe metaverse spaces. Here's Alison. Just like any time you introduce a new way for humans to connect, particularly a new way for humans to connect at scale, you're going to find yourself in a situation where some humans connect in ways that you would rather that they not. There's also another layer that we have to be cautious and cognizant of here, which is, you know, again, the first time that you're in one of these environments, it is an uncomfortable experience. And some humans embrace ambiguity and discomfort and find it energizing and exhilarating and can't wait to learn more and experience it. And for some people, that level of discomfort makes them very personally uncomfortable. And it puts them in a position where they might not be thinking quite as rationally or behaving quite as respectfully as they would in an environment where they are perfectly comfortable. When we first started this and we knew that we were going to be bringing a lot of people into our nth floor environment and on a regular basis, the initial guidance that we got from our amazing legal team was our code of business ethics reigns supreme. It exists in the real world. It exists in the virtual world. We're not going to rewrite it for the virtual world. And that made perfect sense. And that is exactly how we proceeded for the first few months. And then after experimenting with this for the first few months, we took a step back and our combined you know, HR and legal and IT teams came together and said, we still think our code of business ethics reigns supreme. We're not rewriting our code of ethics, but we do have an opportunity here to create a little bit more descriptive language to make sure that it is clear as day to our people that the same code which applies in real life applies on our nth floor as well. And so we absolutely have to be ready to have all the necessary support channels in place, all the necessary support people even existing and planted in our nth floor, in our metaverse environment, so that at any point in time, if someone says, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not understanding this, I'm stuck, I can't move, I'm getting frustrated, and you can see that anxiety building up, there's somebody there to say, take a deep breath. We'll figure this out. Let's walk over here and we'll have a side conversation about how to figure this out. We've started to create this model around the purple hats. So avatars that have purple hats, you know that they're there for anything from technical support to help me figure out my way around this world all the way to, I just have a question about what we're doing here and can you help me out? Alison adds that a key way of ensuring no one experiences the kind of psychological dislocation from self that Phil describes is, for now, limiting time spent in the metaverse. Any of the individuals that we have that are serving as stewards of these environments, they're only there for the duration of the events that are happening. And, you know, for the most part, we are keeping our metaverse events limited to 45 minutes, an hour, you know, a maximum of, you know, an hour and a half at a time right now. And that's because, quite frankly, just like everything else, this technology takes some getting used to. There is no pick up your phone and text someone on the side. There is no, wait a minute, I've got some pings coming through my computer. That is fantastic for things like focus and attention and learning. And it's exactly what we want when people come together. But it's also a new behavior for a lot of our folks who have been very used to the last two years of having multiple different, let's just call them distractions that, you know, can continue to permeate their day. So all kinds of reasons why we are 
intentionally keeping our nth floor experiences limited to small chunks right now. But for the most part, the bigger challenge has actually proved not preventing overuse of Accenture's metaverse, but encouraging some staff to engage at all, and in fact, finding the tech talent to build it. I am not worried that our nth floor experiences are going to trigger addictions of our people. I heard it described really, really well the other day where someone said, who is a gamer, yeah, it's like getting to step into a boring video game, which is a lot better than stepping into a boring conference call, right? Now, we are constantly learning from the gaming world to say, how do we make these experiences that much more engaging? But it is never going to be that full-on simulation, high adrenaline space that immersive gaming can be. The challenge there is you have game developers who've been used to developing high-fidelity games. So you don't have too many game developers that are going to get super excited about leaving the world of hi-fi games to come in and develop for meetings and collaboration sessions and employee training. It's actually a huge opportunity to take software engineers and designers and so forth who've been developing for different aspects of the enterprise, different aspects of the corporate world, and bring them into this new and exciting space. I have a partner in this on the IT side, Jason Warnke. He and I kind of laugh all the time about, yeah, these technology challenges have been really significant, but oh my goodness, what's been even more significant are the human challenges here. We purchased 60,000 of these headsets. And when we initially started, we put a whole bunch of parameters in place because we said to ourselves, oh my gosh, we have 60,000 headsets. These things are going to fly off the shelf. Let's make sure that we make sure that our, you know, prioritized those audiences around new joiners and so forth are able to have plenty of stock on hand for them and so forth. And the first 15,000-ish of these headsets did fly off the shelf. Then there was a bit of a pause where we kind of looked and said, wait a minute, what's happening here? We're a technology company. Our people love this stuff. Like, why do we not have people lining up at the door to be able to get into the nth floor to be able to explore one Accenture Park? It took us a moment to say, just like anything else, this is a change management exercise. So we then put a tremendous amount of energy into much more of the human change side of this. We have an amazing story of over a thousand people at Accenture who raised their hand to become what we call a VR game changer and to learn more about the metaverse themselves so that they could then go out and really help to, quite frankly, spread the good word amongst our people. The risk of anyone getting addicted to spending time in recreations of an office or seminar room is pretty low then. But that is not to say HR won't soon start to see cases of staff addicted to leading parallel lives in virtual spaces outside of the workplace, Phil worries. And this is just one of the knotty areas HR will need to be ready for if the metaverse does eventually prove much more than hype. Other considerations will include, for example, personal and professional boundaries becoming even more blurred than they already have thanks to digital tech. At the moment, clearly HR would be involved if somebody reported a substance abuse problem and some behavioural or process addictions, things like gambling or even shopping, they may well have a role in if that is affecting their work performance. And they always do. It's impossible to have a full-scale addiction without it affecting every single aspect of your life which is not devoted to that addiction because that's your primary relationship. At the moment, digital behaviours are not necessarily defined as an addiction apart from gaming. So it's going to be quite difficult for HR to intervene in any mandated way. 
until the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is our Bible of Diagnoses, until that fully recognises digital addictions, it's going to be difficult for HR to help in a way that they might help with other behavioural addictions. But that will come, and that's something I think that HR managers need to be thinking about now. The more the metaverse becomes fully joined up, and the more we start doing everything through the metaverse, unless we want to adopt separate avatars for our professional life and our personal digital life, the more likely it is that those distinctions are going to be blurred. And I think we need to be very careful here. And again, it's an HR nightmare. Is an avatar going to be held responsible in the same way that a person in the real world is held responsible. And how? Because legally it's not clear how that might be applied. We need to be careful. These are thoughts that we need to be having now. This is, this is a difficulty in the real world. Say an employee is a perfect employee in the workplace, but gets drunk every Friday night and gets into fights in the pub. How is that going to be dealt with by a company? To what extent is a person's personal life the responsibility of the company? Clearly to the extent that it impacts on the company's credibility. Most of us have clauses in our contracts to that effect. It is the HR responsibility. How much harder is that going to be to manage in a virtual world? Do we provide employees with their avatar like McDonald's employs them with a uniform? I think those are issues that need to be thought. We simply haven't even begun to think through that yet. Or have we? Accenture certainly has. But are they alone in embracing the metaverse to such an extent and being so far along in working through some of the challenges? Or will we soon see it become part of most people's everyday routines, not just for work, but in their personal lives too? And if so, by when? I have yet to come across another company that has invested the way that we have with respect to the employee experiences in the metaverse. That said, we have a line of clients out the door right now asking us for help to figure out how they can start their own experiments. All of our research tells us that this is going to mature rapidly. This space is going to mature far more rapidly than we've seen any of these other consumer slash employee technologies come to life. Now, exactly when that happens, I'm just guessing like anybody else. But if I were to guess, I would be saying this is within 10 years, that it is not strange for you know me to be walking around with some kind of a virtual reality device that's part of my normal kit. I personally do it today already, but I do realize that that's an exception today. We're going to see the hardware get smaller. We're going to see all of this become easier to just incorporate into your day-to-day life. We're going to see a lot of the friction that exists in this space today start to work itself out so that this is just as easy as turning on your laptop in the morning or making sure your phone is charged at night. Um, we're going to see it happen fast. And you know, if we were predicting, we're probably looking 10 years out to say that this is truly, truly mainstream. But just like everyone else or everything else, you're going to see your front runners here adopt and scale this very quickly. But Phil, unsurprisingly, is still unconvinced and thinks digital efforts would be best invested elsewhere. What we need to be placing focus from a work point of view is enabling all companies to interact digitally. 
So as we move into the 21st century, making sure we equip our companies to be ready for a much more digital world, it makes them more secure against the unexpected, such as pandemics. Digital communication can be great for companies. We should all be thinking of how we can digitize because it makes us more flexible. It makes us more resilient. But be very careful what you use it for. The more it gets in the way of that real interaction, the worse that interaction is going to be. What people want is to see a real person. And how many times have we heard, I just want to speak to a human It would be an understatement then to say the jury is still out on whether the metaverse is an overhyped passing fad or something that will soon transform all aspects of the human experience. Certainly, there is more activity happening there, concerts, birthday parties, onboarding, than most people might have realised. But whether a divide between converts and non-converts persists or whether it will soon be as pervasive as the internet and smartphones, it is too early to tell. As with most things, HR and business leaders should beware sitting back to wait and see. The potential for abuse and overuse and the as yet unknown psychological impacts all need thinking about now, as does the opportunity to improve the employee experience and become an employer of choice. So it's back to our original question. What if the metaverse wasn't overhyped? What if it is, in fact, coming soon to a workplace near you? You have been listening to the What If podcast, brought to you by the CIPD's Work magazine. To find out more about how the CIPD is dedicated to better work and working lives, visit cipd.co.uk. And don't forget to check out the rest of the What If series from your podcast provider or the peoplemanagement.co.uk website.